Welcome to episode number 34 of Nurses Living the Good Life. My name is Ann Conkley. I'm a certified nurse midwife and a certified life and business coach, and I'm so glad that you're here. I have a wonderful interview recorded with Ernice Williams, who is a nurse and a lawyer. And Ernice is a uh, wonderful asset to have in your business and to know as a colleague, because she has a wealth of information pertaining to the law, also to change management. And she uses that information in a variety of ways, whether it's working with clients in her law practice or as a change management expert, you know, within larger organizations. So I invited her on because I wanted to talk with her about, of course, living the good life and get a sense of, of where she is in her business. For those of you who followed along on YouTube, you know that I uh, have a channel that was called Side Hustles for Advanced Practice Nurses. And, you know, I would interview people who really stood out to me and Ernest was one of those and to see her growth and her evolution and the work that she does to witness it is phenomenal. And I think she's an example of what's possible for so many of us who sometimes have some limiting beliefs. And maybe, you know, we've talked about this quite a bit on the podcast that that may be you too, and it's okay. So I invite you to grab a cup of coffee, to sit down, to listen to this one, and to um, find the gems and the pearls. Ernie drops a ton of them. And uh, the conversation that I had with her was fantastic in general. She's a wonderful woman to talk to and just a uh, dynamic human. So, so tune in, listen up, take notes, get prepped. She will inevitably blow your mind because that's kind of just what she does. And uh, let's go. I, uh, I'm so excited to share this with you. All right, Ernice, I'm so glad that you're here. Welcome to Nurses Living the Good Life podcast. I Let's start first about, let's start first with talking about, in essence, I want you to introduce yourself to people and talk about where you are, because I think you are this amazing human who has such a unique view mm-hmm. and unique breadth of experience in terms of helping clients. And so I want, if you would, please introduce yourself and tell people about what you do and then we'll get into it and stuff, but let's start there. Yeah. So I'm Ernice. I go by your nurse lawyer because I'm a nurse and a lawyer. Um, And I now run my law firm full-time helping mostly nurses and nurse practitioners and other healthcare providers who look to start healthcare related businesses. Um, So we do a lot of work with foundational tools and resources for compliance, um, as well as training on data privacy and HIPAA and all the fun things that are not fun for business owners, but definitely necessary. Um, I literally just retired from nursing last year. And so I'm in my first full year as a full-time entrepreneur. Good for you. Wait a minute. Why, why is that? Let's just, can we just highlight that for a second? Because why do many of us look at the compliance and the HIPAA and the, whether it's contracts or making sure you have standard operating procedures or manuals or like, why, why for some of us is that hard? Why do you think? I think it's hard because it doesn't give you a immediate return on your investment. It doesn't give you that satisfaction of completing a certification or a course and feeling like you've accomplished something. It doesn't make you feel that you can make more money with it. It just feels like another box that you have to check. And for the most part, if nobody's really looking, it's okay if that box isn't checked. But it's always the time when you need it, where you wish that you had it and that you had done it right the first time. And by the time you realize that it's too late and you have to spend quadruple the amount of money to fix the problem that was created by not having those documents in place. And so it's that instant gratification. It's the microwave world where I really know I need it. I know it needs to get done, but it's not that important to me. Can you give an example? Because I'm sure you have a couple in your, yeah. you know, in your, um, in your, oh, I don't even know what the word is, but like in your experience, I would imagine there have been a good a couple good examples of where this has become a prop, like a real problem mm-hmm. for people. Yeah. So for one example, and this is, I don't know if it's happened in multiple places, but it's kind of like one of those stories that's being shared across the aesthetics industry. Um, An aesthetic provider who was an owner of the practice got sick. And instead of essentially creating a new login for an administrator, because they're the only person who had all the access to their systems, they just gave that person their password. So that person is running their practice while they're supposedly getting better. And then when they try to log in one day, they're locked out. 
everything in their business begins to change because this person had unfettered access to all of their business, their accounts, their finances due to the access that they provided to them. Then it becomes an argument of who owns this business? Who, where's the revenue going? How do I get paid? And they ended up having to shut the entire business down to keep this person from being able to profit off of their hard work. Are so you what kidding? Nope. From a it. password? From a password. And some and what I tell people something as basic as one, Lord. having a contract in place, right? There was no contract in place to really speak to what this person's role was. They they're saying, Oh, you gave me the business. You're sick. I'm take, I'm now co-owner of this business, right? There was no delineation of their authorization of their of what they were supposed to do. Like, what are their defined roles and responsibilities? There was no operating agreement to talk about who owned the business, who owned all of these different aspects and how, you know, how this business actually ran, right? Every person in your practice should have their own login and password. You should be able to change their permissions from wherever, but you should never give someone access to your entire business through the main key and the main password. That was just one example. Oh, Lord. And you, you lose your entire livelihood off of a password. You lose, let's just talk about that too, because you not only lose the livelihood, but you lose your business as an asset, which is a huge asset of growth for you and income earning potential, not only in the present day, but I think of that the business in terms of what, you know, growing a business, creating, building an empire and the return on investment in the short term and all the fun, you know, moments there, but the long-term investment, like the long-term of my, when I invest in building a business, I invest in growing. I invest in the opportunity, the possibility that in five years and 10 years, I have a practice that and a business that is amazing. And mm -hmm. it is, it is so profitable and the revenue is, is crazy. Mm -hmm. And the, the ROI is huge. Yeah. And right. Like, like we, I think of that when we build businesses, like we're building, this is, this is one of the best assets that you have. It's better return than a 401k. It's better return than a 403b, better mm -hmm. than a high yield savings account. Like, yeah, this and is could, where we. And if, and if they had structured it right, they could have sold their business at the height of it, even though they were sick. And so there's so many layers, right? So there were no disability yeah. policies to pay them while they were sick because they never put those things in place. There were no contracts to move people around and to put people in leadership because they never thought about that being an issue. And so, so many people think like, well, I'm healthy. Everything is fine. My business is booming. It, it doesn't matter what's going on on the outside world. In this moment, I'm okay. They never think about those future moments. And I always remind people, people will come to me and say, I have everything together. I have everything that I need. I asked them two or three questions that, oh, I never thought about that. Mm -hmm. Oh, that wasn't something I considered. And I said, of course, because yeah. you're coming from the perspective of a clinician and an employee where you never had to worry about the details, but now you're in a position of ownership where you have to worry about the details. And even if you can't act on them, you want to know about them so that you can then take the next step when you're ready and you have a strategic plan to, to move along. And so people would you know, forfeit a, a $300 consultation or a $1,000 consultation and strategy plan for the thing in the back of their mind, knowing that they need it versus just executing and getting it done. And so I, it's hard to encourage people to do something when there is no emergency or urgency, right? People tend to move a lot faster and a lot more when the regulators are coming, right? Janko is coming. All yep. of a sudden we're getting ourselves... That is how we've been conditioned to perform. So we take those same bad habits and we bring them into our business. And then when something falls apart, they forget. If something falls apart in an industry, in a corporation, where there are thousands and thousands of millions of dollars, they're going to pay whatever needs to be paid to get it fixed. You may not even have the ability to pay to get your way out of some of the things that you are engaging in as a business owner. That are setting you up for failure. Mm -hmm. it's like it's like an intangible we talk about this a lot with coaching right it's like we're selling tangibles right you know you could sell or just talking with one of my girlfriends about this like she was saying how she went and got hair extensions and she was watching as people came in the salon and she's like i was there all day through this whole you know ordeal of like getting my extensions and she's like i was just watching people as they came up and 599 dollars done fifteen hundred dollars done. Okay. Not a problem. Eight hundred and you know, fifty dollars And she's like, 
And we were just laughing how hair extensions, lashes, I just got my lashes done. Like mm-hmm. those are tangible. I can yeah. see, right. Mm-hmm. I can see it. I can see the changes. It's not something that is so intangible. Like compliance is like an intangible thinking about the moment where your business becomes in jeopardy because you gave away your password. That's like, a. I just think that's such an, like, that's what we're, we're I think that sounds like maybe that's like you're selling the opportunity, like for, to safeguard your asset. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think what we, we don't see enough people living in a sense of urgency or an emergency related to business, right? So people don't understand just because someone has a business and it's running doesn't mean that they're profitable. It doesn't mean that they're making generating enough revenue to even pay themselves. It doesn't mean that they're actually not living in the red. A lot of businesses, the biggest businesses in the country live in the red. They operate, they're functional, but they live in the red. And because we feel that the appearance of a successful business is all that is needed to run a business, we focus on the aesthetic. So we pay thousands of dollars for branding. We pay thousands of dollars for lead generation. We pay thousands of dollars for brand new websites. We pay all of this money for the appearance of a good business because that's what we think that we need. When in reality, if you actually have the foundational tools, having that or not having those things, your business will still be successful. Yeah. Right. Thousands of dollars on pictures, mm-hmm. professional photos. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, okay. All right. So if you would share with people who don't know you, um, why did you pursue a legal career as a nurse and how did that come about for you? Yeah. So three years into my career, um, I felt like I was one of the first generations of nurses who early in their career decided they wanted to do something else. Um, So I feel like we were the first class where coming in, people were already talking about going to infant school, CRNA school, or doing something different. Immediately, they came in with a strategic plan to leave. And I think that was very hard for the organization because they were just like, where y'all going? Why do y'all want to leave? Why do y'all want to get in the ICU for two years and then go back to school? And so everybody was having that conversation and it was very common for people to know like I want to go to CRNA school MP school but I knew for me that isn't what I wanted and so I looked at other options and opportunities I originally wanted a master's of public health but I didn't see a lot of people with jobs who had NPHs and so I was like well what what degree can I get that will at least give me a job opportunity and then still give me some opportunities to get into politics or policy or other things. And so that's how I ended up getting a law degree. I lived in D.C. Everybody has three or four degrees. It's very common. <laughs> and so essentially, that's what I did. But then I couldn't find a job that gave me the flexibility of nursing. They wanted to pay me $65,000 to work for the federal government and work five days a week and drive to work. And I was just like, oh, my God, that's mm-hmm. overwhelming. Like, I could work three days a week and make that amount of money or more. And so I ended up staying in nursing years after graduating from law school because of that, because I needed the flexibility, because I wanted the hours, because I wanted the potential to make more money. I didn't necessarily find a job that reflected what nursing opportunities gave me. Um, In the legal world, it was five days or nothing. There weren't all these flexible options that there are now. And so I essentially didn't really push as much in the legal aspect just because I'm like, okay, I'm not going to be unhappy working somewhere five days a week. But I was very unhappy as a nurse. I love being a nurse and the work that I did, but I was unhappy because I knew it wasn't, I wasn't like maximizing all my potential. And I thought that if I just stayed in the industry a little bit longer, that people would see my potential and they would hire me and bring me onto their team. And what I tell people now is that the jobs that I dreamed of now hire me at a premium rate, even though I would never fit into their box of an application. So organizations would now come and bring me on to do trainings that I would have done for free when I was working as a nurse because I was part of the industry that I now get paid thousands and thousands of dollars for. And so it's a lesson for those of you who are struggling to have actualize what your potential is. If people aren't seeing your potential, sometimes you have to remove yourself from that space and then make them see it. And and then it's at the end of the day, it's still their loss because now they don't have that value inside that now you can share that value with so many more people. So that's why I became a lawyer and the pandemic, I, I feel like it did what it did to a lot of people. It burned me out beyond burnout. I think burnout is something I've probably been living with for many, many years, but the pandemic just exacerbated to a point where I said, this is no longer healthy for me. This is no longer safe for me. This is no longer safe for the patient. It's time for me to leave. And that's when I started really focusing on building my law practice and uh, offering all of these different 
uh, options to work with me? Where is it through digital content, offering the free platforms of content, resources and tools so that I could eventually retire from nursing? Mm-hmm. How and how satisfied are you with your choice? Oh, my goodness. I didn't think that I could be as happy as I am now, not going somewhere. Like I thought that I had to go somewhere and meet people and talk to people. And even though I do the same thing with my business, I didn't feel that I was going to have the same impact. I'm like, I have so much impact as a nurse. The only way I can have impact is by taking care of people directly. But now I have an impact on so many more people in a way that is helping them build their legacy, helping them build value in their business, helping them have more flexibility for their family in a way that I could never do as a nurse at the bedside. And so I was just talking to my therapist yesterday, like it feels intangible for me to be in this space because I'm so used to having a job, hating a job, looking for another job, Um, being in nursing and screaming my head off about things that need to change and not being able to change them. Where now I work in in my business where if I don't like something, I'll exit tomorrow. If I don't, if I don't want to do something, I just don't do it. If I want a new opportunity, I work hard to get it. And then I see the, the reward of my work. It's a direct correlation. The amount of money I make reflects specifically how hard that I'm working. I don't have to ask for a dollar raise. I don't have to ask for a bonus. I don't have to ask for a new title. If I want a new title, I give myself a new title. Like it, it, That's the autonomy that I think that I've been dying for as a nurse. And it, to me, it almost killed me because I was screaming like, we need to change. We need to do better. We need to leverage our experience and our opportunities so that we can have a greater impact for no one to listen. And now I'm in a place where a lot more people are listening because I'm not working for someone. When did you graduate nursing school? 2008. Oh, okay. That's when I graduated member for school. When, um, and then when did you graduate from law school? 2014. 2014. Okay. How would you say in terms of, you know, I would assume, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that over the past, what is it? 14 years of Mm -hmm. being a nurse that you have developed an identity as a nurse. Mm -hmm. And, and then, and I am curious, right. Developing kind of this identity as a lawyer and then really developing an identity of the lawyer who is also a nurse who has her business as an entrepreneur, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's a couple of different identities in there. And I wonder if it's been, I wonder what your experience has just been with that progression. Mm-hmm. When I first started nursing, I didn't think of it as something that I would take on as my identity because all of my friends, we were all starting our careers and we just didn't know where it would take us. I feel about two or three years in, it was like nursing was my life. I worked so many hours. I spent time with all of my coworkers outside of work. Everything I did was related to work, whether it was baby showers, parties, like I worked in the operating room. We were extremely close, extremely tight knit. Our whole world was work and each other. And I didn't realize that nursing was my identity until I went to law school and I was struggling to be someone else. Right. There is no tight knit ball. Like nurses don't really realize how many people we come across every single day and the way that we build relationships so easily. That doesn't happen anywhere else in any other industry. You may have a few close friends at work, but like you can work in a hospital and know the janitor. You can know almost every person, the parking attendant, the relationships that we have are just not normal. (laughs) And so when you go into other places and people like don't speak or they don't want to build relationships, it's hard. You're like, how do you build a community? How do you build a family? And it's just like, y'all are toxic. (laughs) Like That's toxic, right? I'm just here to work. Um, And so you're like, what? Right. Y'all don't go out afterwards. Like, oh, yeah, we'll go grab a drink. (laughs) Who brought the cookie cake tonight? Right. Y'all have a problem? Like what's going on? Where's the potluck? Every week, like especially if you're working like an off ship or weekend, like yeah. very very different. The the culture, the mindset is very different. And so I was so immersed in being a nurse that I struggled to call myself a lawyer even when I graduated, even when I passed the bar, even when I was working because I just felt like I was letting go of such a big piece of who I was. And if I no longer called myself a nurse, then who was I? I I didn't even have anyone to tell me, right? In nursing, people are going to tell you, this is what nurses do. This is what nurses do. Like our job descriptions and the way in which we interact with patients and 
uh, other providers and as a team, it's very clear to define what nurses do. It's very hard to define the role of a lawyer when every day can be different. Some days it's meetings, some days it's phone calls, some days it's contracts, some days it's just you sitting behind a computer. What is that? Like that is not, there's no definition to that. There's no identity to that. There is no action, no task related to that, right? Nurses are good at doing IVs or nurses are good educators. Like all of these things that have make up our identity come from the work that we do. And you don't get all of that definition in other industries. So for years, I struggled to call myself a lawyer. My friend kept saying, that's so weird. You're so weird. Like, why are you like that? And I literally had to practice <laughs> calling and telling people that I was a lawyer or leading with, I'm a lawyer, I'm a lawyer. Now it's probably taken me almost a full year to say, I'm a lawyer. I own my own law firm. I Like very easily without having to like say, well, I, I am a nurse or I was a nurse. Yeah. Like it's very different. And creating this identity as a nurse and a lawyer was simply just to separate myself from other lawyers, right? And other people who are offering education and to create this niche in this space. But even with that, I feel like sometimes people can minimize your knowledge by that caveat, by saying, well, you know, what do you really know? And how good are you, are you at what you do? And this is a conversation I've been having with my team because I feel like in a way, sometimes people don't value the things that I know and the things that I do because they feel like, okay, well, you're a nurse like me. You only know as much as I do. You're like, no, in fact, actually, no, you want me to just get you my degree? I'll just show it. I could do a screenshot for you if you would like to have a copy Mm -hmm. of not only my law degree, but also of my current status as an active lawyer. Mm -hmm. I would be happy to send you off all of that information. Very much. You can find it. You can find it in my press kit, in fact. It's crazy. And so people will reach out to me saying, oh, we both have common interest, you know, uh, of the law. And and not to say anything against legal nurse consultants. I'm like, no, honey, I went to law school. Like, I suffered, (laughs) suffered Mm -hmm. through the bar. Yes, we may have a passion for the law, but to actually be able to apply and do the things that I do, it's a whole different ballgame. And so I think that's something that is short in our industry because like I feel like in any other industry it is like you being a lawyer plus having a different background or degree helps elevate you whereas being a nurse it somehow brings you down a little bit mm-hmm. and, I, and I, I like I don't want to say it as a negative but I, I feel like if someone's an engineer and they become a lawyer it's like oh my goodness if someone is anything else and they a physician a, lawyer, a physician and a lawyer oh what and the Jackpot. opportunities that come with that for them yeah. Are exponential. Yeah. Where the opportunities that come from nurses who become lawyers are extremely limited. Mm-hmm. And every nurse that I know who's a lawyer, very few of them are at the top of their game, right? Um, they may own their own practices, but they're not the CEOs and the CFOs and the C, you know, they're not the chief medical officers or all of the different things that we yeah. could do based on our experience because yeah. we're just nurses. Yeah. Like it's but, a minimizing thing, which I don't, I don't know how you break out of that. Right. That's something that's very difficult to change. Well, and I think you're right, especially because so many of us are socialized, you know, there's not only this external perception, right. Of what is around the nursing industry. And I always, I have to say, I think of it, I have a couple of different thoughts. One of the things I think about our profession is that as a highly trusted profession, we become inevitably people who can build relationships very easily because people trust us and they aren't, they, right. They be, they are willing to be vulnerable and they are willing to reach out. And so I think it's one of the things that makes us very valuable when we go outside of the nursing profession. And in addition, I think what also happens is that there's a culture of, you know, we are socialized as a culture, I think, to look at certain professions and say, oh, this one's good lawyers and doctors perfect, you know, nurses, um, nurses, teachers, social workers, all the, and, and it just so happens, and it is not a coincidence that all of those professions that we look down upon that get paid less, typically they very often gross less than hundred grand a year, mm-hmm. right? Keeping women under that hundred grand ceiling. These are all the professions that are mostly dominated by women. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's just, there's that external perception of the nursing industry versus other professional industries. And, and I think we see the struggle so interestingly with advanced practice nurses as well, because they're trying to, you know, in a similar fashion, trying to uh, get out of that mentality and rise above. And then you got yes. all these people who are like, but you're not, 
You're not a physician, you know, and it's a, it's a very similar kind of conversation. You're just a nurse. And so there's that external layer, number one. And then I think there's internal shit that we do to ourselves, Mm -hmm. which is this kind of, which is this learned socialization around what nursing is and what we do and the, Mm -hmm. and our mindset around, you know, not recognizing that we are the largest segment of professionals in the healthcare industry. Mm-hmm. We're the largest segment with probably the least amount of say, which yeah. doesn't happen in any other goddamn industry. I don't care where you are, like where, where, and, and, and in turn, then I think we, there's a lot of infighting. There's all of the, you know, the passive aggressiveness, yes. there's like all of this, you know, behavior and, and look, I don't, I'm not here to blame anyone or put judgment or shame. That is not the point. It is to recognize though, that when you are within a system that is built on a hierarchy and you aren't at the top and you were one of those people that is oppressed, not only do you face it externally from what the expectations are of you, but you also are a learned person who said, oh, I am to, I will internalize all of that hierarchy and I'm going to keep myself down. I participate in the infighting. Mm-hmm. And when just conveniently I do that, I also then don't see the system yeah. as something that is toxic and something that is the cause, right? I look around to the other people and then I start to blame and shame and, mm-hmm. and, you know, go out. And so I think it's a, I think it is a, there's so much that contributes to it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think you're right in that those of us who buck the trend, so to speak, yeah. You know, even if you're talking about nurse entrepreneur, nurse Mm -hmm. lawyer, nurse coach, nurse, whatever it is, I definitely, and I'm like, people would pay someone who doesn't understand the mindset and the structures of a nurse to teach them something. And yes, sometimes it's good to work with people who are outside the industry, but if someone's successful at what they do, why would you go outside of that to go to someone who can't even understand how to apply that knowledge to the specific thing that you're trying to do I see it all the time and you know sometimes it makes me question like am I doing this right and Um, I have to remind myself I can't convince people that they're worthy of the opportunity that is being provided to them it's up to them to say my business is worth me protecting My, my business is worth me understanding my like my job is worth me leaving like it, it's like i can leave this job and it, it's valuable and it, i know the value that it has but it's still worth it for me to leave and so i'm no longer in this space to convince i am just meeting people where they are if you're not ready no problem. If you're not ready, no problem. And I always remind people, I don't do urgencies. I don't do emergencies. So if you're in a position where you- We are not in the operating room. Not. You're going to have to, you're going to have to go outside of the industry to someone who does that. And they're going to charge you so much more. And they're going to make you feel that the decision that you're making so delayed is your fault. And you're going to have to figure it out. And it's a very- hard thing to discuss with people because when I refer them to, because some people will come and ask me questions. They won't believe me. I'll refer them to someone else. They'll get the same answers. But of course that person's going to charge them more. Right. And then by the time they come back, my prices may have changed or I don't offer the same thing. And they're like, wait, hold on. But what about this? Or can you cater this to me and my specific situation? It doesn't work like that. Um, And I think that's a challenge that we all have to fight, right? Like you're saying internally of elevating and supporting those who are doing things differently and giving us the space in the room to do things differently. I think that nurses have a very privileged experience now to see so many nurses doing it differently. Before, you know, of a few people who were doing it differently, you may have heard of them in the distance or maybe seen them at a conference. You have too many examples of nurses doing things differently that there's no reason for you to stay stuck in a situation when there's opportunities that you can have access to based on your experience, based on your schedule, based on the amount of money you make. All of that is now accessible to you. What has been, what what I realize is that people who work with physicians who were kind enough to have conversations with them, like people who really invested when they first started their career, who just happened to have a physician who's like, you know, this is what you need to do, who had a bigger and broader insight of what was happening. They now, I feel like they were in a unique position to see the world a little bit differently. But those of us who only saw nursing and and healthcare from a nursing's perspective and didn't think about the investments, didn't think about leveraging our job to make more money, didn't think a nurse can get a a loan, especially post, you know, the last recession, 
as long as you were a nurse and you had a, a job, they were willing to give you a loan a lot more than they were willing to give anybody else just based on your job and your job description and the fact that you're always going to be employable. We missed out on windows of opportunities because we didn't understand that. And so I'm like, there's no reason for y'all to sit here and act like nurses aren't giving you gain for free and giving you the example of opportunity many times for free for y'all not to execute and invest in yourself like you should. Well, and I think though, it's, I think that is the result of being so wrapped up in your own shit that you can't see, like you can't see it. Cause you're just like, oh, you know, I just, I just put up a video this morning about, I was just thinking about how my life over the past year and two and three years with owning my business has changed significantly. This is the life that I dreamt of. This was the life that I dreamt of. I dreamt of having a space. I dreamt of having uh time to, to have conversations. Mm-hmm. I dreamt, I dreamt I could get paid to have conversations. I dreamt that was possible. And, and that I didn't have to be in, within a system that said it had to be in 15 minutes. And by the way, you had to also make sure that you had a 992139214, and an ENM code on it to make it worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Right. And, mm-hmm. and so, and I, so like, I look now and I'm like, my gosh, I travel all across the country. I have, you know, I have relationships. I, I work with some of the most amazing humans. Mm-hmm. I have time. I have space built into my schedule for creativity. Like it's unbelievable. And I look back a couple of years ago where I was a fucking miserable cow mm-hmm. and just so caught up in my own shit about there's not, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like that, vi- that victim mentality. Yes. And I'm like, no wonder I'm like, oh yeah, of course you were like not able to see the forest through the trees. Like I could have seen the likes of, you know, the Katie Dukes of the world and the Ernest Williams of the world. And, 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 and I could have seen them and said, oh, I, I looked at them and thought, not for me. All the right? time people I, say, I wish, I wish I could. Yes. And I don't, and I look at it and I have, I have a lot of compassion in my heart. Cause I think I was at that place at one time where I just, I really didn't think that was possible for me. Mm-hmm. And so I, there was a lot of self-sabotage. There was a lot of that victim mentality. And I mean, I'm not glorifying. I'm just saying, I get it. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you can step back to be objective and, and just for a, just to have some perspective and say, wait a minute, wait, what if it could be possible that I could mm-hmm. take what I love? I could repackage it and repurpose it in a way that helps me to, to do good work in the world and to do well for myself. What could that look like? Mm-hmm. I think that, so I'm reading Grit by uh, Angela Duckworth. And I think mm-hmm. that a lot of people don't consider themselves gritty. They don't consider themselves strong enough to do the things. And I feel mm-hmm. like if you don't feel that you have enough grit to change your circumstances, leverage your circumstances mm-hmm. because leverage doesn't necessarily take more work it just means that you think more than you actually do that than you work we're so used to the labor of creating change versus the thinking to create change and you have to just switch if you can switch that for a second and say how can i fix my schedule to then give me enough time to rest recover take care of my family and work on my business right or work on an idea or work on getting a certification someone I think he's like an occupational therapist was saying, how do I get into tech industry? I'm tired of doing what I'm doing. And I say, get a certification. You are single. Mm-hmm. You don't have any responsibilities. You are, you have the money. Go get an agile certification. Get as many technical certifications. Someone's going to be willing to give you a chance. They're going to think they're getting you at a discount. You're going to be making more money than you've ever made in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and do it on your employer's dime, by the way, too. Period. Like, <laughs> You have the capability and the capacity. You just have to figure out leverage. And so I think that if we only focus on grit, it's very easy to say, I I can't, I don't, I don't have the ability to be that strong. I'm not that strong, right? That grit really takes some, something like just deep inside. You have to be so passionate, but sometimes you don't even know what you want or what you need until you get out of that dark space, but you have to just get out. And sometimes it takes that rest, that break, that vacation. Um, for me, it was like going to, to Cabo, right? It was still kind of the pandemic was raging and it was like my first trip during the pandemic. And just to say like, I'm off this full week with no responsibility. This is the life that I want. 
it is possible. I can do this. And I was still working. I had just left my last travel assignment. I was picking up a job that I didn't want to pick up that I shouldn't have done. But I felt so insecure that I was like, one, what this is going to be my one last opportunity. When that last travel contract should have been my last job that I had and I should have focused on my business, I still took a second option. But the only thing I did differently is I set some very strong boundaries. This is when I work. This is what I do. I'm not doing this. And when this time is over, there's nothing else I can do for you. Yeah. And okay. when my and when my circumstances yeah. change, I spoke up for myself. I never would have done that. And I think if we're able to set some boundaries within the opportunities, whether it's a job, with family, whatever, we then can create more space for our, ourselves to think. Well, and I think too, a couple, I mean, I think you just had a quite a few nuggets in there, but I, the ones that stand out to me, I want to touch on are that with this idea of grit. And I, I, when I talk to clients, I'm like, look, if you can run a, a code, if you can run a clinic, if you can operate in a goddamn pandemic, mm-hmm. I'm pretty fucking sure that you can do just about anything. Mm-hmm. Like I, I really, I really find it like to be true in my body, it feels mm-hmm. true to me that if you can save someone's life, I think that you can also figure out your next steps. And I think is and and I think it touches on, you know. And so so with the grit, I'm like the the most gritty people in this whole fucking universe are nurses. Period. And all it takes is watching one nurse try to manipulate a fully bag so that he sure there does not need to go in that room for extra visits in order to make sure that thing stays unkinked, right? Like, have you seen the contraptions of like, well, just like, I'm going to put it up here. I'm going to put a rubber band on here. I'm going to clip it here. So it just flows right on perfectly, right? To minimize the number of times. So like, if you want to talk about grit, we are, we are patients died, got up and went into the next room and said, Hey, can I help you? I mean, who else can, can body bag a patient and continue to care for the living in the same shift. In the same hour. No break. I I I don't know. I don't, there's not Nobody. another, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. I think you know, physicians probably have this quality about them too, right? If we look at like the people who actually can show up in that way, right? Physicians do it too, I think. Uh, and, but I, I this is a skill set that the majority of people could not fucking fathom. They could nope. not fathom what it would be like to, again, right, turn off a, uh, uh, you know, bypass on a patient or like, or to, to, you know, call in a team to declare a time of death mm-hmm. and to turn off pumps and to call in the family and then to march over to, you know, her charge nurse and say, okay, you know, we're going to close this down. What's next? Right. I mean, like, so you want to talk about grit. I think we are, we are the the example of grit. We are the, we could be the definition of fucking grit, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And I think the other, the other pieces that you touched on, which is this piece of just like that, if you don't feel worthy, you will never sit confidently at a negotiating table. You will Mm -hmm. never set boundaries. You will never talk about and ask for and demand the things that are important to you. You will never mm-hmm. have those conversations in a way that, that, that from a place of, of being very powerful mm-hmm. from having, you know, self-determination from knowing yeah. I'm not a victim here. Yeah. I have things are within my power. If I am willing to exert control where I can. Mm-hmm. And I think it's fascinating because I think when you we start looking at kind of that worthiness piece. I mean, that it's so often, you know, that that piece fuels the insecurity. Oh, I got to take another travel position because I, you know, yeah. where's the money going to come from? I don't mm-hmm. know if it's going to happen. And it's not, and again, we're not here to, to judge it or blame it. It happens because we're humans, not because anything yeah. went wrong. It just happens because we're humans and have yeah. human brains. But like, I think that piece is so interesting because that unworthiness, it will, and again, I think it's a very learned a learned conditioned belief yes. that many of us hold around mm-hmm. our value, our worth, what we bring to the table. Mm-hmm. And the beauty of that is that if we have learned it, then damn it, we can unlearn it. Yeah. But you, but that starts with you as an individual. It starts with mm-hmm. me as an individual. We mm-hmm. can't, I can't go around, you know, I can't, like, I can't sell worthiness. Do you know what I mean? That like part. that part, like I, that is what I feel 
that is happening and what generation or like what evolution we're having in, in social media now, right? Nobody can convince you of what you need. You are essentially investing time in the things that you feel that you need. And what I see many people investing in is the imagery, right? Like I said in the beginning, people are investing perception. in the imagery and the perception and then wondering why they have nothing to show. Because you just invested your time, your energy, your focus, your money into the perception of success and you never did the work. If your coach isn't challenging you to do the shadow work while you're also building the business. I had a consult yesterday with someone. I said, let me tell you something. The, she said something to me and I, re- I said, that is going to show up in your business. If you don't find a therapist to help you feel less overwhelmed about the decision that you're making, that is going to show up in your business. And all of that doubt is going to make you unsuccessful and you're going to blame it on something else, but it truly is going to be the energy that you brought to this space. You got to separate it. And I think that's what we are just learning as, as an industry, that we have to figure out how do we separate our feelings and emotions for the work that we do and then the skills for the work that we do, right? That mm-hmm. That's what I struggle with. I love being a nurse. I love my team. I love my coworkers. I love my patients from I do these things for them and I can do them in another way and still have the same impact. That is what, those feelings that we desire so much, that instant gratification of someone saying, thank you, you've done a great job. This is yeah. amazing. You may not get that in business. It may be delayed, but it, it's going to be so much more worth it because you got it in a way that is just healthier and more beneficial yeah. to your long-term value. Yeah. And what if you can learn that skill now? Like, what if I never had to depend on anybody to pump me up to, right? Like to like, to give me the gratification Mm -hmm. externally that I seek, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what if I just owned that and said, no, in fact, I don't, I don't wait around for anybody to tell me how amazing I am. I work on showing my brain evidence of all the ways in which every day and over my Mm. career, I have showed up as an amazing value add to any team I've been a part of, right? Like, like that's, I think a common misconception too, of like that I see from clinical practice into entrepreneurship, which is this, well, I'll be happy when the business, right? It's like, I'll be happy when the business is grossing 35 grand a month. Really? Really? Because, um, you know, if you ever more money, more problems. I mean, it is the reality more of what happens with it. We, the more your business go- grows, the more complex your problems can become. Yeah. And it's not to say we don't grow and, and step up into a level to be able to solve them. Mm-hmm. However, money doesn't always, money will, money buys a certain level of ease. That's Listen. for sure. Listen, but that's tax like, responsibility. Right. <laughs> You're not paying yourself enough in that penalty that comes when you're trying to, yeah, it's yeah. real. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, oh, I didn't, you know, what for, I didn't know the tax reporting structure of my business. And yes. so oh, I never put aside my 10 grand or my 15 yes. grand, or I never allocated my 15%. I don't run through my personal. So I didn't actually yeah. get the benefit of having, like, all of a sudden you're like walloped with a $20,000 tax bill and you're, mm-hmm. and you're shit out of luck because you've got mm-hmm. no tax account set aside to support that. I mean, it's like, that to me, I just feel like, you know, that starts, that starts with us. And if you don't think, if you keep putting off your happiness and you keep deferring it and, and wait for Mm. someone else to provide you with that love and worthiness Mm -hmm. that you can today start to provide yourself, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you're going to be waiting. And you, and when the, and when the praise comes, it's going to feel fucking amazing. It's going to feel like the best, sweetest high you've ever had. And when the praise doesn't come or the board of nursing comes along and you you are in the dumps and you no longer have a license and all of a sudden your identity is in question, Mm. we'll be in the, in the deepest section of the river of misery. Uh, you know, like you will be drowning in the river of misery because Mm -hmm. you're like, what? I built up all of my worth on everything Mm. that was external to me. And forgot that I am always the one who creates whether or not I walk into any space as a mm-hmm. worthy human mm-hmm. or whether or not okay. I have, if I am worthy, to get, you know, if, if my worth ever changes based on what someone pays me or doesn't pay me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. And I think that's where we have to get to. You got to get to a point yeah. where you're blocking out the noise, good and bad. Yeah. Because yep. the good will fuel you and the bad will drag you so much. And sometimes, like you're saying, if you depend on that good and it doesn't come, you will run out of fuel 
and you'll be right back where you started, blaming someone else about why you haven't got to where you want it to be. But in reality, it was because of the noise that you were waiting for, the applause that you were waiting to receive. You can do good work and nobody ever recognize it. That, that is not something that we've been conditioned to do. And I had to remind people that the performance reviews don't make or break you. I've had so many ridiculous performance reviews from people who didn't even understand my performance. If we could understand that the performance reviews, the dollar raises, all of the things that they they say that they're giving to us isn't really a gift, that it's actually just a distraction, we will then stick to the work that we were created to do, figure out how to leverage those opportunities and make that make nursing work for you in a way that's going to give you that long-term gratification. And I love what you were saying about you dreamt of this. I dreamt of being able to get up and do podcasts, take my kids on vacation for long periods of time, take my kids to all of their activities without having to hire help, you know, being able to go and just fly wherever I want to if I need a break. I, I remember how many times I was denied PTO I was denied the ability, even if my PTO was about to expire, even if I had to take a vacation all year, even if I found someone to cover me, denied. That don't piss y'all off. Mm -hmm. That doesn't make y'all desire no. something different. When I say I don't take no PTO, it's like I block my schedule if I want to, or I work from wherever I want to. And that it's like you're saying, it's unfathomable, it's intangible. People want to touch something. They want to say, I have a pocket of PTO. That PTO doesn't mean anything if they fire you tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Most of y'all aren't going to get paid out for it. So why are you holding on to a job because of PTO? Or if they right? deny your ability to use it, they're like declined. What? Mm -hmm. Right. Like all this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's, it's, are, it's a mindset shift. Mm -hmm. Would you say that right now you're living your version of the good life? The best life. Better than good. There is nothing better than where I am in this moment. And I know the best is still yet to come. Mm. Because I am so more, and it's not even just the time and the money. It is like I can pour into my passions without the criticism and the restrictions of some oversight and someone's opinion that doesn't matter. So many of us bring our talents to work and yet we're not able to even use them because of someone else's criticism or someone else's opinion or someone else's thought. So to have full control to explore, fail, win, like to do all of those things without someone over top of me, criticizing me, asking me why this isn't working or creating solutions for problems that aren't really necessary. Like I can't fix falls if y'all aren't going to, you know, fix the system. Right. Right. It's like they want us to bring our creativity without necessarily having to pay us for it. Right. You're, mm -hmm. You do so much or extra listen. work. Or listen, you do so much right. extra work at work and there's no return. Everything that I do, every minute that I invest in my business, there is a return. Every task that I do, there is a return. And that is what I love. Like, there's just a peace waking up every day, knowing that I'm able to do what I want to do, that I'm able to go where I want to go. I'm able to grow. I go to Pilates in the morning. I make my iced coffee. You know, I take my kids to school. I'm living the good life. And I so sad that I I'm not I hadn't been living this life before that it took me so long to feel worthy enough to enjoy this that I didn't think this was possible yeah but the fact that it was possible I thought it was going to take me two or three years to retire from nursing after I started my business it took me less than a year and of people course. will be like oh it's you it's not no it's not there's so well, many people you made it happen right right? You made but it they happen. Too. Mm -hmm. Yes, of course. But we are not special snowflakes who have just, mm -hmm. you know, have some God-given talents that the other rest of people don't have. Nope. I have a human brain. Mm -hmm. I invest in it. I go out and do, I take messy action. I mm -hmm. invest. I mean, right. Like I, you know, I'm not afraid to fail. I embrace mm -hmm. it. In fact, 
everybody has the same opportunity. I mean, like we, if you have a human brain, you have the opportunity to use it to your advantage. That is your choice. I mean. And make those choices for you. It's so easy to make choices for someone else and for other for people, your job, your boss, your this. When you start making choices for yourself, whew, the good life comes so much faster. I know. All right. I love this. Thank you for talking Thank with you. us about what you do. Tell tell everybody. Okay, wait, first and foremost, tell everyone if they would like to find out some more about you, where they can reach you. And also I want if you're willing to just share what are you, what do you have going on right now that is could be applicable to the nurse business owner? So yeah, I'm on your nurse lawyer on every platform, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. TikTok, oh my goodness, right? Like all of the platforms. You can follow me there. There's tons of content, resources, anything that you could ever think of. I'm talking about it, sharing and helping you like guide you through. If you are a new healthcare business owner or even, you know, established and you are really trying to figure out how to build out your compliance program, your systems, your operations, how to build, operate, and protect your business, um, definitely reach out and start with the consultation because that at least gives you the foundation of the things that you're doing great and the things that you may need to take some action on. And then I also have what's called the Healthcare Business Starter Kit for healthcare business owners where they get access to every compliance tool and resource that they need to build, operate, and protect their business. It has kept so many people out of the hairs of the board, out of the Department of Health, and it helps you stay in compliance and do the work without just saying it's done, but actually adding it to your business so that you can build strong systems to be successful. Mm, I love that. What about audits? Do you, in your consultation, do you, is that essentially an audit of a business to be like, this is where I think you've got opportunity and this is where, you know, you've got to be, you, we've got concern. Yeah, I do a longer um, consultation called a business audit and it's 75 minutes and we dig okay. deep into your business and every aspect you leave with an action plan with a ton of resources, with a ton of tools so that if you, even if you don't want to, you know, you can't afford to start a kid, you don't necessarily need it. You know, you're connected with an account, you're connected with a website developer, you're connected with all of these different people who are going to make sure that your business is protected, um, which I think is super important where we don't necessarily have those connections to all of those people sometimes outside of our own industry. We just need a, a connection. Um, yep. That's what I serve as like, okay, you're looking for this type of person. Let me connect you with that person because I know that person is going to do you right. And they're not going to take your money. Yeah, no, I love that. That's so important to have. Um, okay. That's such a resource. Thank you so much thank for your you. time today. And thank you for sharing what you do and thank you for conversation and your willingness to just kind of talk through, I think what so many of us go through and the experience of just, you know, whether it's fear or it's insecurity, or if it's mm -hmm. just that thought of like, it's not possible for me. Or also I think too, as you, as we progress and we start to develop new identities of who we are mm -hmm. and, and think of ourselves in a different way. And I think that will resonate so much with, with people. So I would just thank you so much for your time. It was a yeah. pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for having me. All right, Arnice, we'll see you next time. Go check out Arnice and don't wait until the board of nursing comes calling. Do yeah. not wait. It is not worth it. Use, look at your business like an asset and, you know, give it what it needs to grow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Good to see you, Arnice. We'll see you next Thank time. You. Thank you.